Welcome back to another edition of the Bluminati Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Joined alongside me as always, Seth Barnador. And for the first time in a very long time, the the guy behind the scenes who makes sure that this thing uh kind of keeps on track and stays on the rails, uh make sure it hits your podcast feeds in a timely manner. Mr. Anthony Vito making an appearance on the pod tonight. How you doing, brother? It's been a while. It's uh, it's gonna be a Stiegless evening tonight, so I decided to uh, step on in. So uh, yeah, I apologize mean, in advance. Some would say we upgraded, but I was. Jeez, what haven't we replaced Stieg? And <laughs> at the Daily Stampede, I mean, he's his niche is becoming smaller and smaller and smaller. He was a good uh, photographer. Oh wait, <laughs> now he's just a vibes guy on a weekly Pick'em show. Yeah, he actually does all right. He, he does shockingly shockingly the vibes have been pretty good for him um he's, he's not even the positive vibes only guy anymore That's oh true, man that yeah. uh, that shit sailed i mean if we're being honest um let's let's jump into the show we've got jam pack we got a preview uh temple we got a recap houston um, but I do want to start with men's basketball uh defeating the powerhouse that is the University of Tampa. That is a Division II school in South Tampa, if you guys weren't sure. Uh, they beat them 66 to 61. Uh, the Bulls trailed by 13 at the break this evening on this wonderful uh, Tuesday. Um, they were 0 for 12 from three in the first half. If you guys, uh, you may not recall, uh, USF was dead last in three-point shooting a season ago, so it doesn't seem like they've been able to fix their issues. The guy they brought in, Tyler Harris, from Memphis to be their three-point shooting stalwart was one for six, and I know, I know, it's just an exhibition game, but against a D2 school, you need a 20-6 to six run in the second half to come back, to get back into the game. Uh, that is nearly unacceptable. Nate, you said that they were dead or they were dead last with three point shooting. Are, do you mean in the conference or like what dead last in? Y- yes, in the conference. Dead also last in like in, amongst Florida teams <laughs> or like the the southeast. Also, yes, for I both think of those, it may be every single qualifier you throw out. They were dead last. Dead last in like the country, the the entire the whole ass country. Uh, what three fifty one. 351 schools play Division One basketball at the highest level. Uh, USF was dead last in three-point shooting last a season ago, and they they were pretty close to the bottom in field goal percentage overall. Same with free throw shooting. This team was horrendous, uh, and uh, we get to roll into a sad sack of a football season right into this basketball season, folks. I, if if you can't get excited for men's basketball after the football season we've had, boy, I tell you what, I don't know. You're not living right. One would what? say we're used to it by now. Or, um, wow. Okay, well, 66-61, that is a W, and I will choose to celebrate said W with some Cigar City Highlight. There you go. Please sponsor there us. Yeah. What is What was University of Tampa's Kim Palm rating? Are they pretty high up there? <laughs> You know what? I I don't. Do they even get give Ken Palm for D two? I, no I think idea. I think I think they do. Is Sagarin football or just? Uh, I have no idea. Make, Sagarin does football. I don't know if he's just football. I mean, good lord! What does was, Ken Palm say 
That's all I need to know. I mean, it who's can't got that be great? Who's got that sweet, sweet Ken Palm subscription? Well, I've seen the name Keyshawn Bryant, who I haven't seen yet, and apparently he's doing windmill dunks, so that's exciting. Yeah, he finished with nine point six rebounds tonight, three assists. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm looking at some tweets. I'm not going to say from who, but I, I assume there was a lot more than that. But okay, exciting. <laughs> I don't know. There was just a lot of like, this guy's awesome. Anyway, some people just like to see a dunk. Uh, yeah, I mean, a windmill dunk's pretty exciting. We see it live, like in real life, a dunk, especially when you're when, back in the day when like Steve and I used to take photos under the basket. And like a monster dunk would happen. It felt like eight times more exciting when you're right there. Everyone's screaming at each other. I went to, after uh, after I blew out my shoulder at South Carolina, I went to a small D2 school in West Virginia. And they had a pretty good basketball team, West Liberty. They still are pretty good. They were just running gun threes. But uh, we, we had this lineman from uh, Steubenville, Ohio. And some guy dunked in a game and he just went ballistic. And we're like... <laughs> It was like just like a two hand little. It's like I've never seen a dunk in person. Like, where did you grow up, dude? Like, <laughs> you've never I seen a dunk grew up in, in person. Grew up in Pleasantville, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Steubenville, <laughs> pretty close. Not pretty quite. Close. Not quite as pleasant. I could. Could... <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I... men's basketball, women's basketball officially kick off next Monday. Uh, it, it looks like I think it's a double header on the eighth. Uh, women start at five thirty. Men start at eight o'clock. At home, go out there if you want. It's up to you. I'm not gonna force you to do anything you don't want to do. Um, but yeah, basketball season's officially started, and it got off to a uh, banner start here on Tuesday. So good job by all. Sounds like it was a grand opening, grand closing for you. It it really was. I mean, I didn't. I I honestly, I didn't have high expectations for this basketball team uh, going into the season, uh, and struggling against a D two school is just just the icing on the cake that has been men's basketball for the last decade. Will they Real be quick. any good at defense? Well, they gave up sixty one to a D two school. Um. <laughs> So maybe, <laughs> yeah. Just real quick, uh, that reminds me when Orlando Antigua was maybe last year. They played Bethune Cookman, needed a big um, come from behind effort to win that game. And I remember Colin was like, "This is absolutely terrible." I said, "No, well, you know, they came together. They finally got it together in the second half, and they persevered and they won. Maybe this means something." And Colin was like, "No, you're dumb." And I was dumb because the rest of that year went terribly. So I've learned that I believe he got fired. <laughs> yep. He ended up getting canned that year. And it was one of those you don't that doesn't exist. This isn't a movie. And as much as I want it to be. Mm. Yes. It's I'm excited great. for women's basketball, though. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see how the new pieces kind of gel with some of the, the girls that are still on the team. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the point guard position looks like without uh, Lisa Bazan and, and Sydney Harvey running there and. Uh, Betty Menunga, Shay Leverett, all all of those uh, talented folks are no longer with the program. Uh, Sydney's at Belmont, I believe, in Tennessee, mm-hmm. Nashville, um, and then Elisa uh, is actually at Maryland, so that's a nice little step up for her. Um, it'll be exciting to see what what they can do at the next stage of their career. 
a couple girls are um i think one's at long island liu and then the other one's at manhattan which is actually in brooklyn or something like that or queens i don't know manhattan's not in manhattan which is i found out that out like two weeks ago um so that Mm. was interesting but let's transition to something happier uh usf football lost 42 to 27 at houston over the weekend uh the bulls were without Gary Bohannon, as he was lost prior to the bye week uh, to uh, shoulder injury, which he held off having shoulder surgery uh, last week. So he'd go travel and be with Trey Marsh and Byron Brown as they get their second half of the season kicked off. Nice of him. Uh, Offensively, they did some pretty neat stuff that set those first couple of drives. We were really interested in what they were doing. Travis Trickett used the bye week pretty pretty well to his advantage, uh, if if that's a fair assessment. Yeah, I mean they put in the Wildcat. Obviously, I guess if you're uh, as you may have heard last week on the Illuminati podcast, if you're without a quarterback for a week of practice, you've got to do some interesting things. So uh, one of the things they did was put in the Wildcat. So they had that. They had a couple other interesting wrinkles, um, but I, I, they definitely used the bye week well on that side of the ball. Yeah. Um, Seth, you mentioned that, that maybe they didn't have a quarterback for the most of the bye week practices. Mm-hmm. Did something happen or? Yeah, I, I think you went over it last week, but. Uh, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Concussion, concussion related issues, I believe, is what uh, somebody heard and reported last week. Yep. Um, but and, uh, hey. Jeff Scott confirmed uh, at his press conference that, you know, Trey Marsh got all the first team reps last week, but uh, did not practice. The week prior, due to uh, what some are saying, a small injury. There you go. I mean, it just his brain just bashed up against the skull. But other than that, it just small. moved a little. Just like wish <laughs> around. It just moves a little. It's just when the brain moves. Yeah. So would would one say you heard it here first? Is that is that the term? Maybe. I mean, kinda. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, we're, if, you, if, we're if gonna, you had if you had really good eyes, you saw in our chat first a couple yeah, yeah. weeks ago. <laughs> That's also true. Uh, yeah, if you, if you saw it, uh, was it after the two lane game? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. So if you if you saw it, you you would have seen it here first. Um, but all in all, Trey Marsh did a a, a good job for his first career start. Twenty four thirty four two seventy five a touchdown. Uh, the most important thing, he didn't turn the ball over, but Seth, he missed some damn easy throws that would have yeah. extended drives. And there were some gimmies, and there were a couple where guys bailed him out. One comes to mind, I think it was a fourth down throw to Mikey Dukes. It was at his shoelaces, and he snagged it and was able to stay upright and get the first down. Uh, so yeah, there's he was he missed a little bit, but um, he did fine. Uh, you go on the road, score 27 against what was supposed to be a really good defense coming into the year. Uh, you don't feel too bad about that offensively. Now, um, they started really hot and kind of, you know, toiled around there for a little bit. Uh, but I think he played fine. It's uh, your issues are really on the other side of the football. And I don't know if there's anything you can do to fix those, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, this defense. Uh, was kind of atrocious um, from start to finish. 
Houston kind of bailed them out on two fourth down plays that they on fourth and one that they could have gone for and they most likely would have converted. But, yeah, I don't I don't understand. Unless it's on like the, your own goal line, like I BYU earlier in the year, I think went for it on like the third own 30. It's, yeah, it's, it's under three yards. I like my just chances. Go, yeah. Just look at all the defensive linemen that are out. I mean, at some point. Yeah. And uh, right. I, if they would have, yeah, they basically stopped themselves by not continuing to go. If they went for both those, I think they get them. Yeah, they, they decided to punt on, it was fourth and one from their own 34. And then it was, I mean, this one, not nearly as egregious. It was fourth and one from their own 25, which I get. I mean, you were, but even still, I mean, you were kind of rolling going into the, the second half. I think it was 28-14. You, you kind of knew USF gave you their best shot, and there was really not much else uh, to be scared of. So you kind of you punted away there. USF did, I think, go down and score that next possession. Um, but even still, it, it Houston didn't feel threatened enough to even think about punt, uh, to go for it on the, in those situations. And that's just kind of where USF football is at this point. Nobody's going to feel threatened by them. Their defense uh, can't stop a nosebleed. They're, they're, you know, tissue paper thin now. Um, Antonio Greer may not be back for this season. Uh, Jeff Scott said on Tuesday, Jeremiah may not be back this season. But was the Greer, did he mention, I want to make sure I understood this correctly. Did he mention that Greer, they're looking at the possibility of bringing him back next year? Correct. Okay. So if for doctorate? Uh, yeah. Dr. Tony Greer. I'd be a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he came in 2017? They're going to get a specialization. Him boils came together. Might have been strong second class. So 18. Um, so I remember he he was there in the spring. It he didn't I remember distinctly that he uh, was not suited up for the spring game. That's how I, I remember. Yeah, he played the year before because I remember going back and watching them play against Temple and he was pretty light. And I was like, Who's this yeah. guy? He's very he looked yeah. he looked because he was a he was a true friend. He was a he, yeah, he was a small like two hundred pounds. Yeah, was yeah like, he was very small. small. He was a small guy. And I'm shocked how good that, he was the next year watching him play. That's right. 2018, he was part of, he was out of Atlanta. That was the year where they went into Georgia and got a lot of um, um, recruits. I didn't realize he was a two-star. I would say he he filled out a lot more. Yeah, I I would say he's probably a three-star at this point. Mid threes, like an eight. I would give him like a point. If he transferred, he'd probably get a three. Yeah, if he he was in the portal. Yeah. He'd get a a high three-star rating probably. Yeah, I I, I think so. Keith Boyles um, is also 18. He was a mid to high star, three star that 2018 class. Yeah, he's been crazy. has been crazy productive. So yeah, it, th- th- those guys who are productive go into the portal. They kind of get a bump, um, especially when you're just like a a decent human being and you're not leaving for nefarious reasons. Um, see Brenton Cox and uh, Vito's cat. Uh, Hello to the podcast. <laughs> There's no stopping the podcast. Um, I have a question. Well, I have two questions, but the first, the first question is that the USL felt like they were doing pretty well. And then it was 14, 14, about a 
second and or third and seven at the Houston 23. Mm-hmm. Kelly Joyner runs for two yards right up the middle. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. my thought was, hmm, okay, you're just trying to set up the next play. You're going to go for it on fourth down. Then Spencer Schrader comes up, and in true ball don't lie fashion, misses the 31 yard field goal. Nathan asked about this after the game, and I thought the answer was kind of bizarre. Oh, please. I mean, and. Give me, give me. I I know my thoughts about it. Give me your thoughts about the the answer from Jeff Scott. Uh, if I recall correctly, the answer was. It seemed like the answer was. Yeah, we were going to go for it, and then we decided we weren't going to go for it. And then if I'd have realized that my defense wasn't going to get a stop, I probably would have gone for it. Like, what what have you been watching this year? Yes. <sighs> for you, they, they what, ain't getting a stop. At what point, even. During this game, do you think your defense is going to be able to stop this Houston offense? And just because you see one doesn't mean they're all there's a lot more coming, right? Like it's uh you gotta kind of realize going in the game, hey, we're not getting a lot of stop unless you come out and you're just like shutting them down from the get-go. But they kind of went and did whatever they want. Yes, to and, get those 14 points. Literally right before um Marsh was feeling it. It felt like he was feeling confident. He had a 29-yard pass to Jimmy Horn just previously. Um, and there was a, another Jimmy Horn uh, pass interference call that helped him move down the field. It felt like he was feeling it. Offense was doing pretty well. I was surprised by that. Then Houston marches down, scores a touchdown, 21-14. They couldn't do anything with the next drive. Houston goes up 28-14. Then that's, you know. It's over. What are you going to do? Well, actually, yeah. yeah, USF did turn the ball over on downs because they went for it on a fourth, fourth and nine. nine. Yep. It's things like that that just make you go, hmm. Well, he, he was kind of like, if we would have gotten like four yards, we probably would have gone for it. It's like, what's the difference? Like, you, it's really not. Sir, you are you are if, one in six. Does yeah, it good. really matter? I, I think he, it's, that was, I was like, that's a great question from Nathan. I always wonder what Nathan, Nathan always asks a question after the game, and I'm never sure quite what it's going to be, but it's usually a pretty good one. So I, I like to listen to see what it is. And so he's asking the question, like, great question. Because that was kind of something that I think was getting glossed over a little bit, that decision, because it was so early in the game. But, yeah, the rationale behind it was kind of bizarre. Um, I just – it was a little bit strange to me that it, it seemed like – and you tell me if you kind of took it the same way. It seemed like he was like, yeah – we decided we were going to go for it. And then when we only picked up two yards, we are like, nah, we're not going to go for it anymore. And it's like, well, then you probably would have called a different play on third down. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if I'm tricky, yeah. you tell me, now well, tricky looks like a dunce. If you only pick up two, <laughs> I'm not going to go for it. I'm probably going to call something different. <laughs> right. If you're like, <laughs> but if you tell me, Hey, you got two downs here. All right. I'll try to sneak in a run. Maybe, you know, Oh, yeah, you only pick up two or three. Yards. We're yeah, kicking. It's like yards and, Make it a little bit more manageable. And a lot of this just feels like two different teams you're watching, or three different teams if you consider the BYU, what happened there. It's when they're, when they're competitive against really good teams, it's because the, they're able to kind of keep the pace. And then the defense almost gets a shot in the arm. Like maybe there's a turnover, maybe they do something that you didn't expect. So not having the offense, which was doing successful, kind of try to keep the pace going, just then it kind of set what the defense was doing. And then all of a sudden it's, you're you're down two scores now. All of a sudden, how is this offense with Marsh going to come back when the defense yeah. is doing that? And they it know you got to throw the ball every down now, yeah. so they can kind of change what they're going to do defensively. I just thought it was, and maybe he scored because he was so aggressive, especially the first year. He was really aggressive. If you remember, 
that first year he was going for a lot of fourth downs. Um, and it was kind of, kind of just like, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to try to win. It feels like he may be scarred from those and he's not quite as aggressive, but like you need to get, well, that that's that's your chance. Hal, you need to get aggressive to save your yeah. job. So I don't yeah. really, I don't really know what what you're doing here, uh, it, it, turtling up like that when you're one and six. And yeah, you're lit, I think he's trying to literal back is against. He the wall thinks here. he's. I, I think he's trying to like just be, you know, be pragmatic and make the correct. But it's like if your reasoning is that you think your defense, you you thought your defense might get some stops. Oh yeah, that's newsflash. <laughs> it ain't happening. Like uh, they, I would, I would definitely trash. play it the other way. So yeah, that was a, a suit. You gotta assume they're not gonna get a stop. That was bizarre. That was bizarre reasoning I mean, to me. I, I kind of wish you just said, yeah, we thought we could sneak a run in there. Uh, we decided to kick the field. You know, we now we were always gonna kick if we didn't get it. We thought we could sneak a run by him, and the look they were showing us. Uh, they played it well. We, we're just going to take our medicine and kick the field goal. Okay, I can, I can. But when it's like, yeah, we were talking about going for it, and then we only picked up two. Decided, now nah, we're not going to go for it anymore. Like, yeah, all right. Well, that that changes some things. It, yeah. it feels like the play call is different. Then, hey, if, if we got to yes. pick up more than three or four, it, it it was very strange, and it felt like that turned the tide almost. And I hate saying that because it's like, okay, well, you had two drives, and then you went down the field and. Lot, you know, you but I mean, you, you go up 21 14, you know, you've kind of gone back and forth with them a little bit. It's gonna, but like, you don't, you miss a field goal, they go right down to score. It kind of deflates the balloon totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, with this team, they need any confidence they can get. And it's, it's not coming from the defense. The offense has been the, the lone bright spot this season. I think they're still in the mid 60s and SP plus uh, rankings uh, by year 63. Yeah, by uh, ESPN's Bill Con- Connolly. Uh, defense is like 115. Special teams is like 103 this year. So your literal one bright spot of, of the entire season, you're going to take off the field for a worse unit? <laughs> I don't know. I, I am always of – I'll never fault a coach going forward on fourth down in plus territory. I'll. Yeah. That's just – Especially uh, fourth and like five or less, like, right? And then convertible. You, then you come back and go for it on fourth and nine. The next possession, you say, "Well, after after we after we missed it and they went down and scored, we decide we're going to go for it the rest of the game." That's oh gotta, yeah, that's got to be. Is, oh yeah, the defense is back. I forgot. I just I had to see them. They, I had they, to see. I had to see Houston go or Tank Dell swim his way through our defense like a hot knife through butter to remember. Oh my goodness gracious! Uh, and just some of the decision making, the in-game decision making from Jeff Scott has not gotten better this year, and it's it's infuriating. Uh, he's had three years of this twenty what twenty nine games of practice of this, and he still manages to bungle almost simple decisions. And it, I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I think he's so tight about making the right decision that he's kind of just second guess like that's just when you tell your guy you got two downs and then you don't pick it up you're like oh I, you're just kind of second guessing yourself you're just I, we got to get something out of this drive you don't want to get nothing like to me that's kind of him feeling the pressure maybe a little bit of you know you I, we've got to get points out of this drive and that's been a pretty reliable unit but like just hey if you wanted to if you were going to go for it on third down 
just go. Right? Just like don't second guess yourself. Just go. I, I feel like and even Spencer Schrader missing, I was like, I don't blame that on Spencer Schrader. I just feel like that was fate. Like the hardcore bot don't lie. Like uh field goals are failure in college football unless it's a game winning kick. Like it, it, that's just not how college football is played. You can't play college football like it's the NFL. It, it's just that's just not how this thing works anymore. And field goals are failures, especially when you're you know, in the what plus twenty five, plus twenty three. Like, mm. I mean, goodness gracious. Yeah. And I don't want to bring up you know Florida just because I also cover them, but like when Florida played Tennessee, they knew they weren't getting a lot of stops. So what were they doing? They were going for fourth down from the first drive. They're like, we got to keep this offense, our offense down on the field as much as possible because we're not getting many stops. So it was like fourth and one on their own 35 first drive of the game. They go for it. They went for fourth down. They, I think they went for six or seven fourth downs and converted like six of them. Um, and what happened? They lost the game by, I think they lost the game by five and they had to settle for field goals twice in the red zone. Yeah. And field field goals are failures. I mean, yeah. if Jeff Scott hadn't had a history of going for it, I, I wouldn't be as I was like, yeah. that's just not him. But he went for it in minus territory against Florida on a massive fourth and one call. So like, perfect call too. I mean, the the Jekyll and Hyde of it all is what's so frustrating because, uh, as you mentioned, he'll be super aggressive and then uber conservative and then. Oh well, it, it, I was aggressive and it blew up on my face. So I'm I'm just not going to do that again. That that's yeah. that's a bad idea. It seems like he's just again. kind of reaching for something to hold on. Some it's almost like he's still kind of reaching for his identity a little bit as a head coach. And it's hard to say this is my identity because when you're losing, you're trying to find something that you can win. Right? I'll I'll do whatever it takes to win. So he's kind of still. I think as a coach, even he's almost searching a little bit. For what's my identity as a coach? Because right now my identity is, you know, a lot of losing. And so I'm, he's trying, I think he's kind of trying to search for it too. And it's tough, you know, like there, there are certain parts. I'm sure he's like, you know what? My defense got to stop. If I kick the field goal here and don't go for it, I'm showing faith in them. Maybe that'll get them motivated, but then you got to be on the other side of it. Hey, they haven't stopped anybody pretty much all year. I can't like, I can't, you know, my offense is my best. Not in this moment. Put it. I got to put it on them, right? Like, right. So, but I think he's just searching, like, what can I do to, like, there's got to be some certain, you know, uh, you know, operation that will get me the win. And, you know, I just got to find it. And it's, it's just kind of eluding him. And I think he's kind of grasping a little bit for it. And every game's a little different. And it's, yeah. I know it's hard. I, like, I hate, I don't want to say this, but I was looking it up. And uh, strangely enough, there's only one FBS team that's under 500 that the Bulls have played so far, and that's BYU. Everybody else is either 500 or above. Man, that's tough. Temple's going to be the first team under 500 that they're going to play all year. That's just a crazy circumstance, especially when with, with everything that's going on. Plus, you're trying to add on to that, and you're playing legitimately good teams. Yeah, and BYU healthy is a lot different than what they are now. They're, mm. They've kind of gone through the year without... You know, for a while it was receivers. Now it's defensive guys. I think a little bit. Jaron Hall is probably a little hurt now too. So yep. they're kind of a shell of the team we saw in Tampa too. So that's just, uh, I don't know. I I don't know. Um, let's let's move on. Let's look forward. 
Well, hey, you know what? If you've got a bad defense, we may have a cure for what ails you <laughs> this week. <laughs> I mean, here's, yes. the, here's the stats. Red is bad. Blue <laughs> is good. Look at the Temple offense. Oh they stink. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the USF defense. They stink. It's a real. This is the uh, this is the WrestleMania of this year. It it really might be. Uh, so your South Florida Bulls travel up to Philadelphia to take on the Temple Owls at two o'clock on ESPN Plus. I'm shocked this isn't on a real channel. Um, I hope the sicko sickos committee is watching this game closely. Uh, USF uh, opened as a six point favorite on Sunday uh, afternoon. It's already been bet down to USF minus three. Uh, that's how much faith the betters have in USF to win a game and win a game by more than a field goal. Uh, this Temple team is bad. Like they are bottom of the barrel horrific when it comes to literally everything that they do. Um, they're averaging. 15.5 points per game. They're allowing 26 points per game. Uh, they haven't done much in way of curing any of the ills that affected them and inflicted them last season, uh, where USF rushed for a school record, like 345 yards on the ground or something ridiculous like that. Um, they've been shut out once by Duke. Uh, they scored three against Memphis. Uh, Central Florida put 70 on them. Uh, they kept it close with Navy last week, which was neat. But, I mean, Navy still won. Uh, they've lost four in a row. They lost at Rutgers. Rutgers fired their offensive coordinator. Like, not shortly yeah, I, thereafter. Yeah, and that's one Jeff Scott said today, you know, this is a really good defense. But, you know... I haven't watched a ton of Temple, so I'm not going to just come out and say I, I totally disagree. But when you look at the offensives they've played, you just kind of were listing them. <clears throat> There's not like a particularly great offense on that list. Besides, UCF's pretty good, and they put up 70 points. So, you know, is Navy's offense good? No. Duke, meh. You know, then I would I say the, you, the second you, best you, offense is probably Memphis that they've played. Yeah, they, you, and you got like a UMass on there. I think you got a you got a D one or a one double A team on there. This is not like Murderer's Row no. uh, that they've played. So, are there some of their defense numbers mm-hmm. maybe inflated? I think they might be a little bit, but they're still probably a decent unit. Uh, but uh, I'm not. Has USF ever beaten Temple in Philly? The answer no. is no. Oh. <laughs> Negative. They have never oh. done it. For a while there, outside of the last time Temple beat USF in Tampa, it was always the away team. Uh, sorry, the home team won. Yes, but so yes, USF has never beaten Temple in Philly. Technically, well, there you go. And another streak that needs to be broken here. Yep, and we're going on 1,100 days of USF not winning a road game. October 26, 2019. Uh, it's been a it's been a long time coming. I. We'll get to the predictions uh, later, but uh, Seth, I mean, if this team can't win this one, I mean, if as the podcast name says, if not now, when? Yeah, 
I yeah, this is one that you kind of before the season. Here's kind of a look at. Uh, here, green is good, purple is bad. Um, the Temple offense is. This is going to be quite a matchup between the USF defense and the Temple offense. I think this is this game is I think Tom Fornelli's bottom twenty-five game of the century of the week. Yes. Um. So. Uh, I will rally for this to be the sickos game of the week because this I think it's is... got a, it's got a chance to get the doubleheader there uh, <laughs> to get to get both designations. Uh, but you know, you you see, Temple's been okay against the run. USF's been a really good running team. So I, I would imagine this has got to be one. This is one we circled before the year as like a definite win. If it's not, I think conversations turn to a lot. Conversations get serious, I would imagine, right? If this oh, is yeah. not a victory, because this is a pretty bad theme here. You can see uh, their purple is a little darker <laughs> than USS purple. <laughs> So it's a it's kind of a battle of the purple here, really. But um, USF's offense been pretty decent. Defense terrible. It's kind of a you're, you're, they're kind of strength on strength, weakness on weakness in this game. But if you don't win this one, yeah, then, but, then I think we then it gets uh, gets serious. It's um, it's pretty rough, and like I can't even say it. You know, if they tarmac Jeff Scott, that he could go watch maybe a, a Phillies Astros World Series game because they're they're in uh, Houston on Saturday Sunday. If it goes to six game six and game seven, and uh, as of right now, I think the Phillies are up seven nothing. Um, they have they've rocked uh, Tampa Tampa zone Lance McCullers uh, early on in this game. Um, he gave he's given up seven and uh, it hasn't looked great. He's Five quick aside: five home runs and seven earned runs in uh, four and a third innings. Uh, holy cow! Um, also, for, for a pitcher fact. that's been pretty darn good all year, playoffs are just very strange. And the Phillies, outside of this year, would, wouldn't have actually made the playoffs. So, riddle me that. Yep. Uh, fun fact: I live two houses down from Lance's brother and uh, sister-in-law. So that's that, that'll be awkward. Mm. tough stuff they did decorate their house pretty cool for halloween though so that was pretty neat there you um, go full-size candy bars uh I, you know what i have no idea i think they got glow sticks from them oh, oh that's mm. interesting pretty, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a hit with the children mm-hmm. yeah they, a uh, olivia wore it the, the entire time she was uh trick-or-treating so that was good um but yeah, it's seriously like this is the game on the schedule. You're like, oh yeah, you can definitely, yeah, Howard Temple, Howard Howard Temple for sure. All right, where are the Two other more. where are the other four coming from? If you want to make a bowl <laughs> game, now fine. Yeah, I mean, I was just I was just hoping two more wins yeah, after yeah. that. And folks, it it ain't coming. There's no shot this team wins four games this year. And I said in the preseason. Four is the basement. Three or less wins. We're going to have a conversation. And that conversation will hit hyperspeed if they lose the Temple on Saturday. Yeah, it, it, it's, it hits the punch it chewy. Uh, <laughs> right. we're, we're, it's, <laughs> we're, we're in there, baby. It's a there. hold on to your butts kind of moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, Brian Harrison got fired on Monday. Uh, 
you know, what, two days after a loss. So on Halloween, on Halloween, birthday. And I think I also saw that uh, November 1st is actually Brian's birthday. So (laughs) tough few days for my guy. I guess I didn't wait. No, it was, I'm sure it conveniently just fell on their off day. So, you know. Yeah. How about the right. the release? The press release didn't mention his name <laughs> from the, the school. It just said we're we're relieving our head football coach of his duty. We're looking for new leadership of the head football coaching position. Auburn gone to Auburn, and uh, his I mean his little blurb today that came out uh, about you know when there's alignment, complete alignment, this program will do wonders. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there there's that's the one thing Jeff's got to. Seemingly has going for him is there is complete alignment within the university, uh, at least on the surface. I don't know how many more losses that complete alignment will uh, withstand. This will be like a uh, like a you've gone, been going to the chiropractor and you're getting a car accident. Yeah, your alignment your alignment gets thrown off. If you, yeah, a little bit. It's a little if you let temple rear end you, <laughs> sir. E. Um, so let's kind of discuss uh, the the temple play uh, quotes, air quotes. Uh, people watching, uh, listening on the podcast won't be able to hear it, see it, but I'm doing air quotes. Uh, the playmakers. Uh, so their quarterback, EJ Warner, son of Rams and Cardinals and former bag boy Kurt Warner. Uh, he's Thrown for 1,500 yards, eight touchdowns, nine interceptions, 53% completion percentage. Uh, Has shown some flashes uh, this season as he steps in. Uh, All us Tampa Bay area sports fans uh, already are on high alert that uh, a Warner is going to do bad things to a Tampa Bay's team. Uh, So that's always in the back of our head. Um, And they're running back uh, Edward uh, Sadie. He's, I mean, 85 carries, 290 yards, one touchdown, 3.4 yards per carry. Uh, not really explosive on offense, folks. Um, they do have a couple of receivers. Uh, Jose Barbone, uh, 38 catches, 500 yards, a touchdown. Uh, Adonis Sanders, 29 catches. Maude Anderson, 24 catches. Would you like to hear a Seth Varnador connection to this game? Oh, yes, always. I recruited Adonicus Sanders. At Tuscaloosa, when I was there, I had the Low Country in, in South Carolina. Adonicus Sanders was a receiver at Fort Dorchester. Um, they were really good. Their quarterback, um, Dakarian Joiner, is at South Carolina now. They were pretty loaded, but Adonicus was super explosive. Really under recruited. Uh, I offered him at Tuscaloosa. Uh, we ended up. Uh, I left before signing day. But uh, I think they most of the staff passed on him. He ended up walking on at Georgia Tech and getting a scholarship under Jeff Collins, and then his transfer to Temple. So Adonicus, nice kid, very fast. Interesting, interesting. So he's old because that was twenty. That was twenty six. <laughs> that was twenty sixteen. So he's an old. He's an yeah, uh, so older he's, guy. He he's an old soul for sure. Yes. Um. Yeah. That's that's uh. That's pretty neat. That's yes, pretty Donicus. neat. Man. Had a Coach, couple, Coach couple Vonador. Uh, what kind of? What, so this was this was coming out of high school, right? Yes. Yeah, they had a team that I think they won back to back state championships in near Charleston, uh, Charleston, South Carolina. 
I had the low country. So I had, I drove up the coast one, I like took a week and just drove around to some big towns some small towns, but I went and saw them cause they had some dudes that a good off the linemen too. Uh, but it's hard to pull kids from there. Cause you had Newberry, uh, that was in state a little bit closer. He had a couple other programs, but he's a guy, I remembered his name, uh, kind of a unique name. And I was like, who's this kid? He's a freaking animal, but he'd only played like for a year or and, like, he hadn't played his whole career, uh, there. So, but he jumped off the film. Hmm. Odom is, oh. yeah. Coach Odom's the man. Nate met coach Odom. I did at the coach's clinic. Nice guy. They're doing well. They're, uh, I think they're eight and one now. Uh, Ooh. Best record in a while. First in the conference. Uh, might make the playoffs in D2, which would be the first for them in a long, long time. So, good for them. doing well up at Tusco. Yeah. Excellent. Good for them. Good for them. Um, I mean, there's really not much. I mean, how many different ways can we say, like, Jeff Scott, you better win this effing game? Um, uh, can I, can I, um, I want to bring something up as we, when we transition out of this, but can, can I give you a scenario? Is there a scenario um, where this game pivots your opinion? Anyway, like, no, because, well, yeah, like, like to keep him forever or keep him for next year? Yeah, like m- make you have a different opinion of outside of just you need to win this. Is there no. anything that could help you? No, like if he goes in the stands and like uh, gives CPR to a baby or something, like <laughs> <laughs> hands out candy to everybody. More like more like they go in and all of a sudden, I don't know, lights out I, game. To me, I think Temple's really bad. Like, mm-hmm. for the whole season, I said I thought Temple's one of the worst teams in D1. So, I'm like, if they don't go in and play really well, that's a bad sign to me. Now, I think Temple's probably a little bit better than I initially thought, but they're still not very good. Mm-hmm. So, even if they go in there and crush them, I think you're still like, okay, yeah, it's Temple. They're very bad. Yeah. Still, and then it's all right. Do it two weeks in a row. Do it against someone other than Temple, and then yeah, That's, and then we're then we're back. That, to, we're I back mean, to kind of waiting for next week. It's, yeah, it's more of a stay of execution than anything. Yeah, I, and that's the that's the whole thing. Like, I want to be perfectly clear here. You beat Temple. That's all well and good, but you're zero and twenty five against literally everybody else but Temple in FBS. So, like, congr- do you want a cookie? Congratulations, you beat. Another really bad team, maybe a cheesesteak. But yes, <laughs> I, I mean, I just that doesn't that doesn't do much for me. It doesn't move the needle for me. Uh, you could, I mean, if you put up a hundred points on them, maybe <laughs> put up a hundred and maybe I'll change my mind. I still, I just be like, man, this Temple team stinks. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this team is really bad. I, uh, but I, I, I would. Venture guess and say that USF has the best unit in this game with their offense. Um, as Seth, you alluded to, their I mean, their defensive numbers look pretty good, but they really they ain't played nobody. And if they played someone oh. with a pulse, that if if they played someone with a pulse, they got blown blown out. So well. it, it, it's it's tough to really assess what their defense is. Um, I mean, what USF put up. 38 against them last year and they were pretty they were pretty not good last without year without throwing the football really right and it, Vito, I, I think i think the next week if they come out and play if you win this temple game however you win it i think i mean 
right? If they win close, they win big. This one is basically as long as you win, it's kind of whatever, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'll pivot. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Not not that I have a scenario where I agree with But that. if they come out the next week and, and like blow is, out SMU, mm-hmm. I don't then I think you're like, oh, okay, maybe something's cooking here. And then you're on the road against Tulsa, who's also started out fairly strong and now is created as well yeah. before UCF. So the, the next four games are different than the rest of the schedule that's been teams over 500. Yeah, I, I, that's what I think. Like this one's kind of, I, I expect them to win. However, they win as long as they win. It's just for me, like a, almost a stay of execution, I guess. Right. But next week, if they come out and crush SMU, then you start thinking, oh, okay, maybe they've maybe they've turned a corner here. Right. Conversely, they come out and get killed by SMU. Okay, they are what we thought they were. Yeah, I, I always think, what if, or like, how, not what if, but like, oh, such situation where that happens. And I just remember all the defensive injuries and go, it's a tough ask. It's just a tough ask. Like at some yeah. point, it's just a tough ask. <laughs> I I agree. Um, before we get to predictions, I do want to mention. I think the one thing off the field that Jeff Scott has been able to do last year, and it it's trickled and it started into this year, is he's been able to recruit really well and tuesday night he gets a commitment from anthony muir he's a tight end out of uh duluth georgia uh 6'3 235 seth you, you kind of watch some of his tape yeah big body dude high super long arms yeah super long arms big catch radius uh not like a burner but a good frame so once they get him i'm not sure what the duluth program is like but any usually Usually, just now there's some good programs in Georgia, but you get a guy in a college weight room and stuff like that with that frame. Uh, you know, you can turn that guy into something as big as he is. Soup, like I said, really long arms, really tall kids. So he goes up and really can go up and get the ball in traffic. Seems to have pretty good hands, uh, big enough and big enough frame that he's probably a decent blocker as well. So, just another, I think, good body that you can possibly turn into something if you can kind of get him a little quicker and faster as he's here uh, mm-hmm. he'll turn into a real matchup nightmare but he's a you know worst case scenario he's a big bodied kid with really long arms and good hands that i think can turn into a player here so really interesting prospect i think yeah he's uh i think he's he's a three-star prospect uh according to bulls uh 247 um just kind of looking at some of his offers uh right now app state uh, Arkansas State, Coastal, Duke, ECU, Florida, Florida State, Georgia Southern, Georgia Tech, Louisville, uh, Liberty, Memphis, Minnesota, Pitt, UAB, Central Florida. Now, how committable all of those offers are, that remains to be seen, right? But uh, a, a 247 composite of a, a 0.8689, which is is, is pretty, pretty good uh, given where this USF program is. Um, just real quick, want to look at their their recruits right now. Um, so Anthony Miller, he becomes the highest rated high school prospect uh, to date, uh, followed by Connor Knight out of uh, Trust uh, Hewitt Trustville in Alabama. He's the defensive lineman. Uh, Demetrius Carter uh, Jr. He's the wide receiver from uh, Steinbrenner who committed. I like that uh, kid a lot. Thursday. Too. He had he had some uh, he has some good film. Uh, he's an interesting, interesting looking guy. He's another guy that goes up and gets it and mm-hmm. seems to catch everything with his hands. So I think he might be 
uh, maybe undervalued a little bit because he's his yeah. film was pretty good. And Demetrius Carter, it looks like he just got a ranking from two four seven. I was literally looking earlier, and uh, he's now at point eight five two eight, which is third in the class. Followed by DJ Oliver, who I think we all on on this show love. He's a big bruising back out of uh, Point Port St. Joe. Um, and he's fast. And he's fast. He's, like, he's, a big, he's six foot 237. Like, holy cow. Um, I think uh, he might. He's a guy they have to watch. I think he's he's a guy that might get some other programs. Yeah, he's going to get state sniffing around him bit. close to signing day. So I think they're going to have their answer out for him. Yep, and then uh, Tafik Bayard, who's the brother of Kevin Bayard, who is the all-pro safety uh, for the Tennessee Titans. Um, he's committed. Uh, Timothy Lawrence, Fleming Island offensive tackle. He's a 83 overall. Um, and then Braden Ramsey from Trinity Catholic, uh, interior offensive lineman, 83 overall. And then uh, Trey Dubik, uh, who's a long snapper, who's a two-star. So, I mean, we got two-star two star long snapper, man. That's, that's basically a five-star. So that's, that's mm-hmm. correct. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, Eric Salazar, do we answer live questions? Yeah. I mean, why not? Throw them in the chat. Throw them mm-hmm. in the chat. We'll, we will answer them. And if we'll, it's, uh, uh, we answer so <laughs> depending on the question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, depend, yeah. Definitely depending on the question. Yeah. Um, just, uh, real quick. I just also wanted to throw this out there because I take a look at it. Um, Xavier Weaver, 539 yards through eight games. And I believe he missed at least one, if not, Slightly one and a half. Um, 115 yards per game to get to a thousand. Fellas, you think you can do it? No. Oh, geez. I thought it was going to be like, <laughs> do I, may, I think maybe, maybe. he gets like 200 against Temple. I'm just, uh, five, it, I, in, a, in a year that's been like this, Weaver continues continues to make grabs. Yeah, I think he, he's got a shot. Uh, he's going to have to put up, put it up, put up the numbers this week to kind of, uh, Help you yeah. on the back end there. If he gets but. like 170 this week, all right, we'll have mm-hmm. a conversation. I mean, we've talked. I think if Bohannon was still their quarterback, he might feel a little bit better about it because he he definitely liked working the ball to Weaver. But yeah, you know they're, they're going to generate touches for him. So it's him or Jimmy Horn. It seems like <laughs> uh, Brian Batie at 599. He needs a hundred and a quarter per game to get to a thousand. How how many? Uh, he's at five ninety nine, so he needs a hundred per game, hundred and change. That's more doable. Who's yeah. this? I'm oh, sorry, Brian Petit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, he's yeah. He's, I mean, uh, with, he is he is the bell cow. Um, well, he's got to be. He's going to get close to a thousand all purpose. Uh, mm-hmm. That was just strictly easily. rushing. I'll be I'll be interested to see what he is rushing and receiving. Now, if you had the kick return stuff in there, he'll he'll get over. But oh yeah. Uh, th- those are two guys that I mean, Bettine Weaver have been the glue to this offense, and they're they're fun to watch. So I mean, his two touchdowns this past week were still very fun to watch, and mm-hmm. great player. Yeah, the, the I think the most one of the most interesting things from the off season is a question I would like to I wish I knew the answer to now is what does Xavier Re- Weaver run the forty in? Because uh, if he's a good tester, he might be gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's true. not a good tester, maybe he comes back. But you have a pretty, uh, you have a pretty good skilled crew coming back next year, and you got a lot of linemen getting uh, reps now. So, yep. Um, let's throw up Eric Salazar's question real quick, and we'll kind of discuss that at, about before we hit our predictions. Let's see this one. 
Yep. Uh, so Jeff Scott will remain uh, coach for next season. You know, barring something unforeseen, uh, catastrophic uh, on Saturday. Uh, do you think it change occurs? With, uh, do you think change would occur with the coordinators? How does this affect recruiting? Will this diminish the efforts of this year's staff? Um, three defensive coordinators in three years. That's a tough. That's a tough beat. That's a tough look. Yeah. Um, I think. I, I think Trickett's good. He's he's good, and he's one of your better recruiters. So there's. Uh, I would imagine there's no way he's gone. So yeah, it's all in the defense. Do you want to make a ch- another change on defense? Is it the coordinator? Is, is it, it the corners coach? Yeah, George do you make Barlow. do you make changes on the periphery, uh, kind of on your staff, and then make some position coach changes first? Um, you know, I don't know. That's usually kind of that seems to be how it goes, especially when you bring in a coordinator and don't bring in any other guys with him, right? It's not like they right. brought anybody with him, one of his guys, to teach this or that. So sometimes you'll get those changes in the pre- out. But like you said, it would be tough to make three coordinator changes, but. Uh, he knows better than all of us kind of what's being called and what's kind of on the call and what's on the, mm-hmm. what's on the, you know, players, I guess. So I think a lot of it's also it, it, a lot of things changes. You fire people, but what ends up happening in an off season is people retire, people move to other positions and other programs. <laughs> you never know if it's a, someone was pushed out or someone was asked to come back. Then you make changes that way. Like we didn't know Charlie Weiss jr. Was out last year. Um, he ended up going to Ole Miss. That changes a lot of things. So sometimes it's not just as simple as get rid of someone as much as right. other changes happen. And all of a sudden, that's how you can make other additional changes. But yeah, I don't know if you can fire another coordinator. Yeah, that's a that's a tough look for what, what would it be? Two, five coordinators in four years. Overall, that's, that's tough. That's a that's a tough beat. Um yeah, how many how many different coordinators will Antonio Greer have played for? I guess the um, three because BJM. Yeah, BJM was. Well, if he, if they fire him and he comes back next year, yeah, <laughs> you four different ones in his eighteen years at USC. <laughs> not too bad. That's, I guess that's not that's not ter- terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, Rick, uh, Ricky's kind of uh, Ricky Shockley about Jeff uh, Scott's recruiting. I think Scott does do a good job of. Um, like going after height, weight, speed guys in recruiting. Yeah, like he he signs some guys that have kind of good traits that you can develop. He's not signing a lot of tweeners, not too many, not too many projects. A lot of it's kind of, and that's kind of what you're seeing in like uh the save. I know this Jeff Scott's not from this tree, but the saving tree. They always talk about verified height, weight, length, and speed. So they when they get those guys on campus, they measure them. They get verified numbers on that stuff. And it seems like Jeff Scott's kind of in the same place. He gets guys with pretty good bodies or verified speed a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think he's done a pretty good job recruiting and identifying uh, good profiles to recruit. Unfortunately, that just hasn't translated on the field yet. Yeah. And I think you, I, I think we talked about it. Uh, was it last offseason? Maybe prior maybe prior to the season kicking off they weren't offering a lot of guys until they got them on campus and those seven on seven stuff and seeing them in person for sometimes even the first time just due to covid over the last couple of years um those camps uh, the football games were a little it was a little harder to kind of get those verified things so uh, 
I, I think that you're probably tracking right that he wants he's a he's ironically a, a see it before he believes it kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you guys don't it's just for recruiting, all right? <laughs> no, don't no, don't don't take me seriously. Let's believe it before we yeah. see it. That's that's all right with the what it in terms of the program. Right. Uh Philip's got a question. How important is uh the Central Florida game this year from a program perspective? Is it does it what's does it I guess it's important if you win, right? It kind of sends them out with a with a loss. That'd be pretty fun. Uh it'd but, be hilarious, right? Yeah. <laughs> does it I change? think that's again one the funniest outcome. USF loses out but wins that game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it'd be almost is that like enough, a- is that enough to save Jeff Scott's job? No, um, it, well, he wouldn't be. He wouldn't be coaching. I guess they lose right at Temple. We're thinking it's yeah. probably over. Right? Yeah, it's curtains if he loses the Temple game. So do they wait? Wait the week before so you get the dead cat bounce. Mm. It almost worked last year. Um, the funny that would be second funniest thing since last year when men's basketball <laughs> breaks off at yeah, UCF uh, the night before my wedding. I mean, hilarious! How about it was just one was... of the weirdest, the weirdest things. Um. But, so yeah, what do you guys think? Uh, what do you, Eric's had a question, but I, I kind of off his question a little bit. Now that there's transfer portal like designated periods, how heavy do you think they'll be able to get into the transfer portal? Because there were guys, um, you know, like uh, Pender, like who ended up, you know, that ended, ended up not working <laughs> out. But you get they got on those kind of guys pretty he did, early. He did not come here to play school. Yeah. <laughs> they got on they got on those guys pretty early. Whereas I know a couple of the schools in state needed D tackles, but they were in coaching transitions and things like that. Like, is that going to hurt them that they can't get on some of these guys early? You think in the transfer portal, or will it just be kind of it's going to be the same alert? Come back home, come closer to home. I think I think it's going to be a little. I think you may lose maybe one or two guys due to not being able to get out in front of them. Um, what? I've talked to a couple of college coaches over the last couple of months and it kind of, it's kind of leading back to like, you gotta, you gotta make sure you hit your high school guys yeah, because they're the ones that are going to be there for two, three years. Uh, and you, you see like guys are in the portal for a reason. And we were, we're kind of seeing that bear out that, eh, you know, portal's not always the greatest, you know, Joe, Joe never didn't pan out. He got hurt. Uh, Yusuf Terry's kind of been a bust. Joffrey Brown's kind of been a bust. Mikey Dukes has been in and out. Jeremy Mangum's been hurt all year. Uh, Amaris Brown, I guess, has been your best DB option. Matt Hill's been kind of, uh, your defensive line's been, uh, uh, DJ Gordon's really only playing because Greer got hurt and he's been kind of, I, I take DJ Gordon as a, uh, he's nothing like Devin White. I want to be preface that he is, like Devin White is a fantastic football player, but there's always this kind of thing about Devin White where he needs Levante David. He's like a cannon. He needs him to point him in the right direction. That's what I think of DJ Gordon. Like he needs Dwayne Boyles or Antonio Greer to kind of point him in the right direction like a cannon, just attack. I think that's kind of where I think DJ Gordon is right now. Um yeah, you, you got to hit some of these high school kids. You got to get back to the high school recruiting while sprinkling in the transfers. I think the 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 one thing that's unfortunate is the kind of taking away the twenty five counter, taking that limit away because there is a definite strategy if you're at kind of a, a lower if you're at a G five, just attack the high school kids 
and don't worry as much about the portal because if, if you have that cap at 25, the bigger schools may take the transfers and then you go in and, and now the high school kids that were going to them now get pushed down a little bit lower than normal. And you go up and you get some players that you usually wouldn't be able to get in, under normal recruiting circumstances. But without that counter, I don't know if I don't know if that you know guys just take guys just to take them. Like I think Florida might be trying to get, get in terms of portal and freshmen, probably 35, 40 guys this offseason. Like I think they're gonna I think there's gonna be a lot of turnover at that program. So you know I don't you I don't think you can live and die in the portal. But it, it, it I think there was some opportunities for G fives that might have got taken away. And but if that cap gets put back on. I think going into high school ranks could be an interesting, um, interesting kind of recruiting strategies. Kind of go away from the portal a little bit while everybody else is going to it. I will add, Michael Lofton is now a starter and has done fairly okay. I know it's hard to tell, but just thinking of transfers. But a lot of these guys were two to three year transfers, from what I recall. Yeah, a lot. The COVID year helped a lot, so that's that's a little different than bringing someone in for a year. It looks yeah. like. Bohannon will be back for another year. So that se- I mean, it seems like it. He uh, that Instagram post. Um, what was it? Monday or mm-hmm. Sunday? Sunday, Monday. Uh, seems like he's going to be back next year, um, which can only help Jeff Scott's case, right? Because uh, there is the. I think someone. I think it may have been Ricky. Kind of pointed out, like uh, there is the the injury thing is real. It's just he he's used up all of his excuses this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is a case to be made. Like the guy who rushed for 15 touchdowns last year hasn't played. All right. And now I've got Brian Petit who broke out. Now you can pair those two guys together. My Clemson, the guy who was a five star at Clemson, got hurt. My starting quarterback got hurt. My left guard has one foot. My <laughs> left tackle broke his leg. My. I mean, go on down the line. It's like one after another. My starting middle linebacker broke his hand and then his his father died. Like there are extenuating circumstances to everything. The the secondary's been decimated. There are there's a legitimate case that for why Jeff Scott should stay on board. And also look at next but, year's out of conference schedule. That's probably another pitch. I mean, you could go three and one that out of conference schedule. Mm-hmm. You can and I mean, what's the go conference going to look like next year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're you don't best, know yet. You your might, three you, best teams are going to be gone. You might get a pretty favorable schedule next year too. I Last mean, time I checked, Tulane's still sticking around. Oh, but I mean, are, are they guaranteed on your schedule? Mm. Like, you might get a pretty, you might get a pretty good draw. It depends on how they want to split these things up, and that's something I don't think we've heard yet. But like, you're probably going to play Charlotte. Cool, <laughs> awesome, <laughs> big, like, big, big time fan. Probably going to play FAU. Probably pretty good. Like, that's probably pretty good. Uh, um, but yeah, like, I think you're hoping UTSA when they come in. Like, if they have, you're hoping there's divisions or something. UTSA is away from you. Yeah. Um. I, you know, I think it kind of behooves the conference to have USF be really good and have UTSA be really good. And then you have two really good programs in the two biggest football states in the country. That'd be nice. I think that's could be their master plan, but uh, USF's got to 
do their hold up their end of the bargain. But yeah, like like out of conference, much easier. I think conference might be could be easier because it depends on what you get and the draw. Also, I'll put easier in quotes considering USF has <laughs> yeah. won two games all in two, <laughs> two FBS game, one FBS easier. game in three years. So, you know, easier and, is in comparison to this year. It's real. And as M- MJW points out, but he claimed he had depth this year. Exactly. Yeah, that that's, was the, the that's the other that's the other side of the coin is you claim you had all this depth. And now where is the depth when it's needed? So yeah, that's well. that's the other side of the coin. Like, and we've talked we talked about that earlier in the year. It was all spring. It was like I finally got a real Division One team. We got enough, and then, well, we're really injured, guys. Like it's like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> which one is it? But they are, you know, they are injured, and uh, you know, backups are backups for a reason, right? Yep. So, so um, as we crack over the uh, hour five minute mark, uh, good luck, Vito, uh, editing this thing. Um, let's get into predictions and we'll wrap up the show. Um, does, does Jeff Scott have to make a bowl game next yeah. season? And move uh, yeah, forward? absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Uh, if you give him a pass this year, you've got to show something real next year. Like yeah. with, with that out of conference, if you with, say, if you say, listen, tough schedule, a lot of injuries, depth wasn't quite as good as you thought. It's got to show up next year. Or it's over like year four. You can't win six against a much easier schedule. I think that's kind of what's going to change. Curtain, like, yeah, that's curtains with a like a bunch of if you know if, it, if Weaver comes back, like you're pretty loaded at this at on offense. Western Kentucky, Alabama, Fam FAMU or Bethune, FAMU, UConn. FAMU, UConn. I mean, UConn technically could go bowling this year, so who knows if that's going to change? You say West, you say Western Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they very well could lose their head coach. Yeah, he might be a hot commodity when, with some of these jobs. I know you're a big fan. Yeah, but we'll so see. yeah. I mean, at worst, but, two and two. At worst, that's. I mean, <laughs> at worst. Um, but yeah, let's get to predictions. Uh, so, Vito, as the guest, you'll get to pick first. All right. All right. Uh, so USF is a three point favorite right now. What is your prediction for USF at Temple 2 p.m. ESPNU? Man, I feel like I'm going to be the Steeg here. Um, I'm not going to do the bit, but I do think I, I do think USF finally wins. It's against Temple again. And I'm going to say 38, 28, 38, 28 USF. Vito. Okay. Seth, what about yourself? You were uh, you were eight points away from the the, the spread last week. I That's think. what I really want. I'm really upset because not only did it screw up the pick on on our other, on the other show, right? USF not covering. It also ruined. I had just about the perfect score last week, so it was a real double whammy for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. The back door it always hurts, right? So, um. I think this week, right? I think I'm going to go 34 21 USF. Let's say, uh, yeah, yeah, let's do that. 30, uh, yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> it's like chess. Once your hands see, off, Vito, every see, Vito's been on, Vito has been on the show in a while, but every time he was on, his margin was always very close, close to what I wanted to pick. <laughs> and he always, I was thinking like 10 point margin, uh, but yeah, I'll go 30. Let's go uh what did I say 31 31 
34-21. Let's do that. That's fine. Okay. Um, I think this offense... I don't think this offense cracks 30. Yeah, I feel bad now that I've said it. Um, uh, yeah, but the run... Never mind, sorry. I won't, there's no justification with these, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just... I, I don't think the offense cracks 30. I think it's 28-21 USF. Uh, I just, I think... I, I just don't think USF has the defense to stop an atrocious offense is really what it boils down to. I, I think the offense will do just enough. But, uh, Seth, you and I are putting... Putting our perfect record on the line here, picking USF. Yeah, this, this is. Game. <laughs> so yes. we've been pretty good going back since like 2020, I think. Yeah, yeah. we've uh, had like I, I would two. Dare I, I say we are like 25 and four? I think it's even better than that. I think <laughs> I think it might be two games making that money. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, if we pick the game straight up, I think we'd be all right. Um, yeah, I, that's it. Um, I like it. I like it, Ricky. I was I was on I almost went there twenty four thirty one. I was close. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good guess. I think um, it's in that range, right? What's the over under? Is like fifty one. Yeah. So it's kind of in that in that range a little bit. Yep. I mean, that's that's <sighs> fair. That's real fair. Um, all right, let's let's sign off here. Uh, appreciate you, Vito, hopping on uh joining us uh you know with with steak out uh, out of play um you were you were kind enough to sub in and, and give us the three-man weave that we uh so desperately like during these podcasts so i appreciate you uh joining us and for everything that you do on the podcast to make sure this thing literally goes out to the to the dozens of people that listen um there are dozens of us <laughs> there are there are, do- there are dozens of us that i just uh, i just want to is it, is it a bad omen that a that a black cat walked through while we were talking about this game it happens all the time so maybe <laughs> it's Vito's fault that's <laughs> all yeah, that makes sense that makes sense um well for seth Vito, it's been uh a pleasure uh nathan bond signing off thank you for tuning in listening make sure you download subscribe apple itunes uh podcasts spotify soundcloud wherever you get your podcasts uh, follow us follow us on twitter at stampede sbn uh signing off this has been another edition of the blue Night podcast go bulls go bulls go bulls baby